0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 17th day of October 2014. And today we're reading from the big book. We are in the doctor's opinion. We are on page X X V I 28 and and we are going to be starting on the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Kathleen M., the 12 Traditions, Santa H., and then Sharon H., Janice M., and Anita L. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 16th day of October, is 6960, 6960. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. And I will now
1: ask Kathleen M to please read the twelve steps. Good morning, this is Kathleen M, recovered uh in Virginia. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore our us to sanity. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening is the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Kathleen.
0: And I will now ask Santa H. to read the twelve traditions.
1: Good morning. My name is Santa H. from New Jersey. I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater and these are the twelve traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Let problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as ought never be organized Radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personal- personalities pass.
0: Thank you, Santa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And right now, we're having background noise. Someone is not muted. Thank you. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're, on, we're in the doctor's opinion. We are on page X X V I I I, and we are going to be starting with the second paragraph that begins, Frothy Emotional Appeal. And I will ask Sharon H. to start reading, please.
1: Good morning Monica, this is Sharon H. in Colorado, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and welcome to everyone on the line. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And, uh, of course, I have this all highlighted, and I have fact and truth, fact and truth on both sides of the margin. Um, Because for many years, I did have that frothy emotional appeal. I kept saying, God, please help me. I don't want to keep eating like this, and would pray to God. But then, uh, you know, I would just go back out over and over again and take that first bite. And... um, so when I started listening to this meeting, and it was in July of 2012, I um, i don't know. It was just like God shined a laser light beam into my mind that somehow I had missed the foundation that would carry the weight and depth that was required. And that was I did have to uh, accept to the core of my being that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and that would not change, and that there was a solution if I was willing to grasp onto it and then follow the directions in this book. And, um, and that was the depth and weight that was missing for me. And um, I'm just so grateful that that happened when it did. Um, and then um, our ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if we are to recreate our lives. And that's what happened as a result of being willing then to follow uh, the exact directions in this book. I was told to treat it as a textbook. I got up every morning and made notes. I listened like I hadn't ever listened in a long, long time, Uh, one paragraph at a time, one line at a time. And I am just so grateful to see what has happened. So uh, for me it was like I I wanted this so much but I was like I was appealing to God but then I had no power because I was still trying to do it in my own strength and I was still trying to uh believe without even understanding it at, at a conscious level that somehow some way someday I would be able to eat like a normal person because that was the That was the lie I was still telling myself, that uh, I just had to learn how to do that, and then I could manage uh, those foods that um, always led me back down the dark road of uh, the cycle of addiction. And I am just so grateful for this program and that it has given me that um, ability to see the truth as it is, accept it the way it is, and then have the that I didn't have and the power that I didn't have before to follow these directions, work the steps, and now as a result, I'm living in steps 10, 11, 12, and I don't uh, take that very seriously today. I used to just kind of drop off after step nine, but now I realize I must continue to live in step 10, 11, and 12 because I can still get uh, rest spiritual discontent yesterday at the gas station I was annoyed with the guy in back of me because he was just behind me waiting to get you know the next one in line at the pump I was at and he wouldn't back up far enough and you know I backed into a pole and I was so angry and I was wanting to blame him for you know my not seeing this pole and so that was a perfect example of having to do a step 10 and, and let that go and um So I'm just very grateful to be here today, and grateful to all of you out on the line. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica.
0: Thanks, Sharon. And would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Kim. Kim. Larry. Liz. Liz. Okay, Kim, Larry, and Liz. Kim, you're up.
1: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, frothy emotional appeal versus depth and weight. You know, frothy emotional appeal is what people who don't have our problem give us. They give us all that great advice. You know, push away from the table. Only eat half. You know, just just use your willpower. And depth and weight is what we hear from someone who suffers from our disease. That's the idea of experience, strength, and hope. But we have to be real clear that the experience is very specific. The experience is me as a compulsive overeater. You know, I think often what I hear in the rooms and what I did was I shared my experience about my life. And if that's all I'm sharing, then that means I'm only going to be able to help people that are, you know, women that are in their late 40s who have never been married, who don't have children, who went through 12 years of Catholic school, who's the oldest of three children. And that experience is my life, but that experience does not have depth and weight as far as being a compulsive overeater. So what the depth and weight is is I know what it means to suffer from compulsive overeating. I know what it means to white knuckle it through a day at work where they're having donuts at a at an office party and you make it through only for the next day to see the donuts at the top of the trash and to eat those donuts. I know what it's like to pick babysitting jobs, not by what the kids are like, but what food is in the pantry. And to sit there at the job and take three Oreos and say, I'm not going to have any more and then take three more and take three more and have to put the Oreos to the front of the sleeve because you don't want the people you're babysitting for to know that you've eaten all their food. I know what it's like to only have mirrors from the neck up because you don't want to see the truth of all the weight that you've gained. I know what it's like to be a human calculator and know exactly how many calories are in a Snickers bar versus how many calories on an elliptical machine you have to burn it off. I know what it's like to get that high off of starving yourself all day long and feeling that power that you don't have to eat. But all you're really trying to do is earn the idea that you can binge tomorrow. That's the message of death and weight. And why that has depth and weight is because I know what that's like and I am not there anymore. Today, I do not want to eat my binge foods. That's the miracle of Over years Anonymous. Not that I've been given the ability to white-knuckle it through the day and go to bed exhausted. But the food doesn't own me anymore. I am no longer a slave to the food, and I am no longer a slave to abstinence. You know, I'm going to Florida this weekend to visit my brother, and I have no fear about going to Florida. I have no fear that I have to avoid people, places, and things in order to stay abstinent because I have a connection with a higher power today that I can go to Florida this weekend and enjoy my family and join my family. And the last thing, depth and weight is not about sharing relapse. How many times are we in meetings where all we hear is about relapse, relapse, relapse? That is not depth and weight. Depth and weight is yes, today I'm a compulsive overeater. And absolutely I do no lo- I no longer suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that I pass. Thank you, Kim. Larry, you're
2: up. Good morning, Monica, Larry, Recovered, Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Boy, I binged my brains out in Florida, that's for sure. Um, frothy, frothy. What, what is frothy? Frothy is, uh, you know, it's it's insubstantial, of little substance, you know, somewhat superficial. Yes, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. So the translation for me is people that don't understand me can't keep us sober or fix us. So nothing anybody says, nothing anybody says has the power to restore me to sanity. You know, trying to plead with me to, to put the food down, some of the ways Kim talked about. You know, Larry, show some self-respect, for God's sakes. Apply your willpower. Be a man. You know, these are entirely useless to a compulsive overeater of my variety. You know, Larry, why do you eat so much? I mean, you know, you're wasting your God-given talent. Or how about this one? Uh, Larry, don't you want to be around to dance at your daughter's wedding someday? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That hit cut to the core right there. Uh, But all this frothy emotional appeal, you know, while it should make a difference, um, it never did. See, uh, what I would submit to you is that, uh, you know, it's like telling someone with stage four cancer to just, you know, buck up. Apply some willpower to this malady. What's the matter with you? You know, Larry, this insidious cancer that has invaded your body, caused you emotional and physical pain, it's all in your head. If you just choose to think your way out of it, I mean, you have everything to live for, Larry. Don't you want to dance at your daughter's wedding? Insanity, you know, right? So non-addicts, however well-intentioned, and they're all well-intentioned, have zero understanding of the twofold nature of my, my disease. If you're like me, and you might not be, if you're a true compulsive overeater, believe me, I'm the real deal. I could offer you a billion dollars to stay stopped, and I assure you, you couldn't do it—not not a chance. If you're like me, only a complete psychic change, a vital spiritual transformation, will be sufficient to resurrect you from the gates of death. You know, this transformation must be grounded in a power greater than you. It's—it's it's a choice, death or life, and. It's a personal choice, not simply reserved for the chosen ones. Every one of us on the line today, if you're hearing this message, you can indeed recover provided you apply the specific set of spiritual actions suggested in the big book. You know, it says it's simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. What price? Destruction of self-will. The annihilation of ego. Abstinence alone will never, ever, ever, ever do it. The steps will serve to enable you to open a maybe a sliver of a channel to God, and that's all it took for God to come flooding in to save my ass with that. I'll pass thanks
0: Thank you, Larry. Liz. you're up.
3: Hi, this is Liz in New Hampshire
1: um the uh, second part of this paragraph is what actually really moves me uh their ideals must be grounded in the power creator themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And um it's that recreate their lives that I find actually very exciting because that's precisely what I need to do. And but I first have to surrender myself to a power greater than myself. And once I do that, then I have an opportunity to have a new life. But I have to get out of the way first. I have to completely surrender myself to another power because if I'm in my way, I'm going to continue with the life that I have and abstinent or not, I will continue living the way I've been living. But if I surrender myself to this process, to a higher power, I will be able to have a new life. I will be able to have a life that is recreated. And I find that tremendously promising and I actually think that is a promise that's right here in the Dodger's opinion. And I wanted to really say that and focus on that because it offers me great hope and that's why I'm going through this process because I don't have a plan for my future but I do believe my higher power does by doing what I'm told to do, by following the steps that are in this uh, big book I
0: will have a new life, and I want to say that. Thank you, Liz. Would anyone else like to comment on Rabia? this
1: paragraph?
4: Robia,
0: Robia. One minute. I heard Robia. Somebody after Robia. Oh,
4: Kristen, Monica.
0: This is Kristen. Kristen. Okay. <laughs> and then Vasa.
4: <laughs>
5: and then Vasa.
0: Okay. Robia, Kristen, and Vasa. You're up,
5: Robia. <laughs> Good morning fellow visionaries, my name is Rabia and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and smiling from ear to ear because, oh, first of all, I'm feeling the depth of God's power and love on this line through all of us and so grateful for my new life of a recovered compulsive overeater and I was just thinking of how a community grows up. Around us, and um, I know Christian well, Mom. you saying this. Um, she's my fellow uh, face-to-face visionary here at home, and 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 we're able now to um, say. I, I just got a call from a suffering compulsive overeater two days ago, and I was able to say to her, um, "Meet me tonight at a meeting. There'll be three of us there who are recovered." Um, and recently, who were in the food, face down the food five months ago, and um, and come be with us and meet us, and and we'll help you through this. Like, can you even imagine such a thing? I've been in in the rooms of away for decades, and 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 I never even knew what recovered looked like or felt like. And to offer this to somebody, and now she's joining us, and. Oh my goodness. So let me just take a breath. Um, I, what I want to share on, and in just a minute, I know I've used up a lot of my time is, so So here's the fifth must already. We're on XXVIII. We're still in the Roman numerals and we're at our fifth must. People must have depth and weight. And right here is the sixth must. Must be grounded. And and for a rebel like me, never wanting to be told what to do, these musts are such a comfort. I, I love these musts. I embrace them. I, I finally know exactly the precise instructions that, that I must do and now I must pass on. And if you follow every single one of these musts for seven weeks, with me and with a vision for you, and in this big book, you will be recovered. Also, what an unbelievable gift to pass on! You know, what a life, um, a life of recovery. And and I too am traveling tomorrow. I will be in Atlanta um, for a week. Uh, we'll visit our daughter, and I'm oh, I'm just so happy to be going to visit her. And the first thing we're doing, we she picks up stuff from the airport and on our way home we stop at Trader Joe's. And 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 I'm so happy to do that because um because we love to eat healthily and, and of course my daughter was a binge buddy of mine, you know, she's thirty four years old now, so you can just imagine. We all know that. Um and so uh, here we go, you know, a beautiful, beautiful week ahead of, of family and, and love and healthy food and a vision for you in the morning because I can take my program everywhere and and a community building up around us. And, and I'll pass because I can't wait to hear Kristen. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Rabia. Kristen, you're up.
4: Hi, Monica, can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
4: Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Kristen. I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater, from, um, and it's Kristen Kay from New York. Um, I want to, uh, first of all, just uh, thank everybody for being on the call this morning. Um, actually, this is my first time calling in. I've, I've listened, obviously, for the last several months, but this is my first time actually... Um, Calling in and, and sharing. So I just um, I have I had to share. I was uh, when I knew we were on this paragraph. I purposely made myself available to get on the call this morning because I love this paragraph. I remember um, a year ago I was introduced to um, the big book and you know especially the doctor's opinion. And um, I remember reading this paragraph and, and like the throthy emotional appeal seldom suffices and, you know, just the must, the two musts in the small paragraph and the depth and weight, and, um, and I, even then I was drawn in. However, I wasn't really committed. You know, unfortunately, I had to go out and do more experimentation and do more research and be, hit, a, a, hit a greater bottom with the food in order for me to come back to this fellowship Crawling, crawling to my, you know, and I was grateful I found someone that was able to guide me through, you know, be a guide to me through this, to give me that depth and weight because I was under throthy emotional appeal. I still thought I could do this with a diet. I still thought, you know, again, you hear a lot of I, right? So I still thought, I still thought, and you know, it, I couldn't, and you know, it took a good friend of mine in, in my other program to be like, Kristen, you know, I think you really need to go back to um, to OA, and then through OA, I, I, you know, and through recovery, I found my guide, and, you know, and I've been saying for a long time in my program that, like, I know the big book, I know this is the answer, but I didn't know how to get the answer, I didn't know how to, you know, get to that point, and so I'm just grateful that, like, it's so clear, must have depth and weight. You know, here's the, for an alcoholic, for alcoholic people, must have depth and weight. And um, the depth and weight for me has definitely been going through, and I've been in recovery in, like, another fellowship for many, many years, and I never, no one ever talks about the big book. I don't understand, you know, and it's just, it does, it lights me up today. You know, I was able to take someone through the doctor's opinion last night. I mean... You know, it just it must have depth and weight, and that's through this this text. And um and then again, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. And for me, that my higher power has definitely brought me to this point is definitely talks to me through all of you through the words of this um, text this morning. And like someone else said on the line, you know. That they are to recreate their lives you know that is a promise you know we hear and I'll end with this you know on the when we first open the text it says how a hundred thousands how many thousands of men and women have um, recovered from alcoholism and then here it talks about they are to recreate their lives like this these are promises they are telling you you go through this your life will be changed forever and, you know, with the help of a higher power and all of you, I'm just um, really grateful to be on the call this morning. Thanks. I pass.
0: Thank you, Kristen. Basa, you're up.
6: Yes, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and thank you, uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. And I'm a grateful, uh, recovering, compulsive provider calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I'm just so grateful. I started the big book, and I remember questioning my sponsor in those years. But I don't drink, you know. She said, "That's okay. Just call, just cross alcohol and put food on the top, and that's what I did. I substitute uh, a food for the alcohol." She said, "The disease is the same thing, you know. No, like I was not in the gutters. I was not homeless, you know. I, you know, I didn't get to that that point, but it was getting progressive." for me and I don't know where I'd be today if I kept on doing what I was doing so my idea had to be smashed doing it my by myself it just did not work it's not like I didn't try I tried over and over all kinds of different diets I experimented with the food especially with the sugars like the alcohol like putting milk in the in the alcohol to thin it out or not to make it as strong i did all that but i still could not do it you know by myself and i was i felt relieved in many many ways that you know i needed to find a power greater than myself to help me and at that time i was just so ready you know i said i didn't say this to my sponsor But in my mind, I remember saying, you know, I don't care who does it for me as long as I don't have to do it by myself. I just surrendered. I just surrendered. It just did not work. You know, I was in so much pain. And um, she said, surrender and work the steps the way they're laid out. And that was the key for me. And uh, this is what I must do, follow the directions And it's all here. It's all laid out in the big book. And I remember she would say, just bring the body, the mind is going to follow. You know, don't ask too many questions. You know, just listen and listen and do and do. And that's what I did. And that's what has worked for me. And I am just so, so grateful. And you know what? If I was at a meeting, I still have a hard time. Leading meetings, you know, like OA meetings, I like small groups up to 20, 30, or 40 people. But if I was in a group like this with 150 or 200 people, I'd be so, like, afraid that, you know, my fear would probably stop me from sharing my experience and strength and hope. It's so much easier for me to share because there's not this big, huge crowd in front of me. But anyways, I, I couldn't even read the tools at the beginning of my program. So little by little, God gave me the strength and the courage to just open up. And, and other people, I, you know, they had the same fears and they had the same worries as I did. And I could see the courage in them. And, and God started giving me that power within myself that I never had. Thank you for letting me share in our past. Thank you, Vasa. Hi,
7: this is in- Kathy in Boston. May I share?
0: Yes. Your name again?
7: Kathy in Boston.
0: Kathy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hi, Kathy. Kathy.
7: <laughs> Renata. Hey. Okay, thank you, um, Monica, for your service, and hi to everybody on the line. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm really struck by this sentence, um, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. So, you know, when I first read that sentence, um, it did not give me hope because I was uh, a confirmed agnostic for many, many years. And I really struggled with this idea, Um and thank you, God, my step study sponsor helped me uh, work on it. Uh, she made several suggestions, which I just want to repeat here. Uh, one was to ask, um, ask me to ask others who are recovered their conception of their higher power, as well as the process by which they found a relationship with a higher power. She also asked me to write uh, a description of my higher power or a job definition, what it was that I needed my higher power to do for me. Um, And so I engaged on a process of exploration. And as I worked through steps two and three in particular, Um, I did find that power greater greater than myself who could give me depth and weight and the power um, to abstain from compulsive overeating and to do the inventory work required in order to recreate my life. So I just wanted to point out this is a powerful statement. And it also can be a bit intimidating for those who start out with no conception of a higher power at all. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy and, Ren- Kathy. <laughs> and Renata. I did hear you earlier. You're up.
7: This is Peggy.
0: And now I hear a Peggy. Renata, are you available? Yes. You're up. Yes. Yeah. And then Peggy. Hi, Monica.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata with COVID Compulsive in New York. Um I also want to focus on um, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. You know, like we read in the paragraph before, you know, my life was unmanageable, right? I had problems that become astonish, astonishingly difficult to solve. And so if I really believe, if I really leave an, an sorry, a manageable life, I need to recreate my life. I need to have a new life. And um, the only way to do it is to a power greater than me. I can't do it on my own. You know, I want to read a uh, passage on page 43, paragraph 3. It says, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he or any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. You know, like in the beginning of the paragraph back on the doctor's opinion, it says, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. And for me, the best example of that is um, like when I, I took diet pills. Because that took away the desire to eat. I could not eat if I took those pills. But that obsession of the mind, it was so strong that when I really needed to eat, I didn't take the pills. And, uh, you know, that proves to me that no matter what I use, like whatever human power, whatever human resource I use, it didn't solve my problems. It didn't keep me away from the food. And uh, my only hope is to have a power greater than me that can restore me to sanity. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Renata. Peggy, you're up.
8: Uh, this is hi this, hi, this is Peggy, a compulsive overeater in Boston. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
8: Okay. Okay. Um, I am, I like this paragraph about needing a uh, power greater than um, than ourselves to uh, to restore us. Um, I have um, come to respect the power of the addiction recently. The way you respect the power of a hurricane, it's uh, it's really strong. I um, I recently had an experience where I would have uh, severe dehydration. And I could drink a gallon of water and still not feel right. And it was accompanied by muscle pain and joint pain. And um, I heard someone on the special edition talk about having arthritic symptoms as a result of uh, foods that she was eating that that were bad for her. So I examined what I was eating before I had these bouts of dehydration, and I was able to identify it was Greek yogurt. So I stopped eating the Greek yogurt. I don't need it. There's plenty of other food. But uh, when I was out doing uh, a little extra research, I started having the muscle pain and joint pain again. I thought, oh, well, what is this about? And I realized it was bread. And I was not able to say to just put it down. I... um, and I found myself in that peculiar situation where I was watching myself doing something I did not want to do that I said I wasn't going to do that was causing me physical and psychic pain. And it was only when I was entirely abstinent from flour that um, I, could, I could stay away from those foods. So that, the power of the addiction is so strong. You've got to have a counterweight to that. You've got to have another power stronger than that one to recover. Uh, thanks for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Peggy. Okay. And Suji, I heard Suji earlier.
1: Can I Are share after?
0: I didn't hear your name. Or Rakafe. OK. I- okay. Suji, you're up.
1: OK, Monica, and everybody else. Thanks so much, everybody, for sharing. So. So this paragraph is great. It goes from the frothy emotional appeal to the being grounded in a power great within themselves to recreate their lives. Wow. Ooh. So let's see. Now I'm going to try to relate this beautiful writing to personal experience. So, so my family was the place of frothy emotional appeal and also lots of God. There was lots of God there, but I was sure into the frothy emotional appeal. So it went something like this: with a Jewish family. So I love the story of the Jews that I heard. The story of the Jews is they tried to kill us, they failed. Let's eat! Oh boy, let's eat! So sitting at the table, sitting at the table is Bernie, Ruthie, and Susie. That's me as a child. And uh, Bernie says to Ruthie, "Stop buying Susan cookies." And Ruthie just sort of looks at him with a little glaring expression, and goes to the grocery store and buys some more cookies. And and Susan who, the stop, Susan happened to my father, so Susan says, hmm, I can go to the store and buy my own cookies. I don't need Mom to buy them. And and there's this blame game that's going on, and it's just horrible. And and everybody's at fault, including me, especially me. Ooh, I'm drowning in the blame game. And I'm full of frothy emotional appeal. I can buy my own cookies. Mommy can't suppress me anymore. Woo, it's all her fault. And and then 23 years ago, I moved from Boston to Philly. I moved, I now realize in my recovered state, what I realized is I stopped fixing my mom, who was a food addict a mild food addict like me and a heavy duty codependent like me too. And so I came here and and I missed her hugely and I started eating in earnest. I, I had never weighed as much as I did when I moved here. And, and I got fatter and I stayed in obesity for the entire time I was here until I walked into the rooms of OA and I was surrendered because I'd been facing the demons and I was surrendered thank you god and all the frothy emotional appeal in the world wasn't working on me anymore as far as the food was concerned but boy oh boy was the magic magnifying mind operating and and that's what can really kill us it's it's that obsession and the magic magnifying mind that that inflates us and deflates us and keeps us at the extremes of emotion and and that's frothy emotional appeal too. And and where where did I go when I came here? I now I have perspective. Here's my perspective. I came here and I came into OA uh, uh, between two and a half and three years ago. The food was surrendered as best I could at the time. And what I realize now is I was willing to do the work of grief that when you give up that food, the nastiest piece of work is also God's greatest gift to us, the God smack, the grief smack. Grief is a process by which you can give up your old behavior and start something a whole lot better, which is living your life as a recovered person. And to do that, you need to do the steps. The steps are our guide. They simplify it because I've got an incredible mind. It's filled with tricks and it's very magic and magnifying, and without God's help, I can't do that grief, but God gave me work to do, and we have grief. When you come in here, there's a big piece of grief putting down that food, and that is the work that you have to do with your higher power and with whoever can guide you through it here, and there are lots of us who are willing to take you through in whatever part you're ready to do, but but that's, that's Um, That's my perspective in my recovery. Thanks for letting me share. I pass
0: Thanks, Suji. (coughs) Excuse me.
1: Rukeset, you're
0: next.
8: Yeah,
1: hi. It's Rukeset from California Recovers Compulsive overeater, and I I just wanted to talk about the last couple of days in the doctor's opinion, from the very beginning, actually, in the doctor's opinion, so we've discussed this in depth the last few days, that I have a physical allergy. I have a physical allergy to any any food that contains my binge foods, ingredients, or is unweighed. I also personally have a problem with unweighed foods in with, with quantity, so I always, everything I eat is weighed. But I learned that. We learned that in the doctor's opinions. We have a physical allergy, and as soon as I consume something, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter how minute, as soon as I consume it, I'm off and running. My allergy has been triggered, and I'm back into my disease full force. And also, that will happen if I eat something that's unweighed. In my personal case, it's also if I eat some unweighed food that's extra, I will also go back into the hell of a physical allergy. So, what, you know, we but that doesn't stop me. I know those things. I know those things intellectually. I know that. It's all been explained, and and I know it from practice. It's happened to me many, many times. And so, refraining from, from consuming physical, refraining from consuming binge foods is not enough for me because I will always go back to the binge foods. Yeah, I know that if I refrain totally, then I won't have a problem. But I can't refrain. No matter how hard I try, I can't refrain from picking up another binge food again. And that's because I'm a real alcoholic slash compulsive overeater. And so this is telling me, thank goodness, that in order to stay stopped, in order to get my life back, in order to recover, there has to be more. There has to be more than refraining from my binge foods. Every form, every shape of my binge foods, there has to be more. And that's the message of depth and weight, and that is reliance on a power greater than myself. And, yeah, because the other part is not going to work. It's just not going to help. It's not enough. I need more, and I need I need a higher power, and that's what this is telling me, and this is what has helped me get beyond that uncontrollable craving of picking up my binge foods. Thanks for
0: letting me share. Thanks, for Recafet. And this is Monica, and I'd like to jump in here for a minute or two. And this is Monica T. I am our, com- our recovered compulsive overeater. So uh, what do I get out of this paragraph? Well, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. Oh, my God you know yeah i got the you know the emotional appeal the you know the the knowledge from the the doctors and the friends and the family but oh my god what about my own frothy emotional appeal i cried i screamed i hollered i begged for years and years and years monica today you're going to be a good girl and it never worked i am powerless And I see here with what we've been learning from the doctor's opinion here in this paragraph, it's like, yeah, Monica, you're powerless. Decades showed me that I could not do this. Also showed me that no one else could do this for me. Pills couldn't do it. Doctors couldn't do it. Nobody else could do it for me. And they're saying in this paragraph, my goal, my aim, my ideals, my model must be grounded, must be based in a power greater than myself than myself here that I am powerless and so if that's the problem I need a you know the solution is a power greater than me and that power is God. this is what the first 100 recovered alcoholics are telling us this is what Dr. Silkworth in his little letter is saying to us here that we need a power greater than us and so I, I get out of this paragraph in a sense conclusion step one I am powerless conclusion step two Therefore, I need a power greater than me and decision step three, to turn towards working the rest of the steps, to turn towards a relationship, forming a relationship with this power greater than me by working the steps. And that made it easier for me. I was making a decision to continue through the process, to form this relationship with this power that was going to do for me what I could never do for myself. And with that, I'm going to pass. And would anyone else like to um, comment on this paragraph?
9: This is Liz. Can I share? Um, Eileen C. May I share?
0: (laughs) Sorry, I didn't get either name. Was Liz the first one? Yes, it was. Liz, and then the second person?
1: Eileen C.
0: Eileen. Okay, Eileen C. Liz, go. You're up.
9: Okay. Good morning. This is Liz. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania, and um, I wanted to relate uh, what was read and what's been shared this morning to a statement on page 85 of the Big Book, which says, "We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed." And uh, just thinking about that contrast between um, simply abstaining from my binge foods and finding a power greater than myself that can recreate my life, um, because I went to a seminar once with a, a psychologist who was very opposed to the idea that um, compulsive overeating is an addiction like alcoholism and um, and I think what he was keying in on was the idea of swearing off that you know people who swear off certain foods they 're not really recovering from the uh, condition of compulsive overeating. And um, and the difference that we find in AA and OA is that we're not swearing off. I'm not abstaining from those foods out of a diet mentality that um, I'm never going to eat them again out of a sense of depriving myself or um, or even having the power to abstain from them. Uh, Instead, the problem has been removed. So because I have found a power greater than myself that can recreate my life, I don't need to swear off on those foods because, by God's grace, the desire to return to them has been removed. Um, And I do have a part to play by planning to avoid them in my daily food choices, but it's different from swearing off because the problem has been removed by God. Thank you. I pass.
0: Thank you, Liz. Eileen, you're up.
9: Hi, I'm
10: Eileen C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater from Ohio. And um, thank you, everyone, for your for what you shared. I, I um, am inspired and feel the presence of my higher powers. I always do when i every morning listening on this line. Um, so just um, maybe just to add more to what I've heard, um, my frothy emotional appeal was to god often um i was so desperate i i needed help and i begged and said i'd never do it again and it it didn't suffice and um i've been in recovering in in oa for many years before i came to um to to this meeting came into my life and um had a long period of abstinence and um relapsed last year and when i began to um work the steps according to the big book and to to read this beautiful text um i um i just wanted to put this out as hope i don't know if anyone else has had this experience but um i did have a relationship with a higher power even before i came um to a vision for you but um always always this relationship grows and um when i was working on my i, I guess what i want to say um is that um i didn't know sometimes what that higher power was going to look like it's like i knew i had to surrender but i didn't know what that meant how do how do i develop a relationship with a higher power and and it really wasn't until coming to a vision for you that i realized that in step 3 i'm making a decision a decision to and maybe this has already been said already, a decision to go forward. And, and it was in that decision um, when, when I I had this intuitive thought that, that said, um, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of care. And I realized that I needed a higher power that was going to care about me. And something miraculous happened at that point, and, and my willingness to go on, became very clear and it, and for me the beauty of the 12 steps is this is where i learned to surrender steps 4 through through 9 through the rest of the steps is is where I, I, it's here this is this is the um the path um the way i learned to surrender i never i never knew what surrender was i knew it was something i needed to do but i didn't know how to do it so Just for me, it's just this beautiful process where um, this this is what surrendering is, and this is where I learn and grow and get to know who my higher power is and deepen my relationship with my higher power. So thank you for letting me share, and thank you, everybody. Um, And thanks everyone for your service. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Eileen. And with that, we have come to the end of our time here this morning. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Janice, can you read for us, please, from a vision for you?
11: I'd be glad to, Monica. Thank you. This is Janice M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you all. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly